Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza Power! That's right, when Super Giant Pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, awesome. pepperoni, 
isn't that pizza? Pizza time. Welcome one and all to the Pixel Pizza podcast. You just listened to Amp Smashed. That is our chiptune artist of the week and their track Green Hills. So hope you enjoyed that one. It is November 3rd, 2023. And after a few weeks of uh, semi-hiatus, we are back with a brand new episode and a brand new guest. I am super excited to be speaking with this week's guest. She is an Australian game developer and artist uh, working on the upcoming games Surf Club and Knuckle Sandwich. This is Olivia Haynes. How are you doing, Olivia? I'm doing great, Jared. Uh, Glad to hear it. (laughs) So I like to start off the show by asking, when in your life did you know you wanted to work in games? So I think it's something that I always wanted to do on like a subconscious level. Um, By that, I mean, like, I didn't know that games was a career you could have, um, which I think is a common experience of people getting to an older age and then being like, whoa, you can, you can do that kind of thing. Mm. Um, So that's something I didn't discover until I was in high school. But long before that, you know, I can think, from like when I was a really little kid, I was very fascinated with games. Um, I have um, at my parents' house, they have like this big storage tub full of drawings. And often mm-hmm. when I go visit, I'll sort of rifle through them. And it's really funny. Like um, like I've got all these drawings of just like the PS2 <laughs> and it'll have like text underneath it saying like out now. And like around it will be like all these like PS2 characters will be like Ratchet and Clank and all that. Um, and like, I'll go through like a magazine for games and I'd see like, oh, the latest like Spyro game coming out. And then I would like draw that, like I would draw like the Game Boy box art kind of thing like with all the logos like the Nintendo seal and all that I was like I think I was really interested in marketing for some reason as a kid (laughs) I was always writing like coming soon on my drawings (laughs) of like a game (laughs) um so yeah and and I was also doing things like you know when you're a kid and you sort of draw a level and you're drawing like a a tile set kind of thing with textures Mm. like all super cute stuff like that um And then, yeah, it was high school. Um, Towards the end of it, I discovered that that was actually something you could study. And it just made so much sense for me to pursue that because before that, um, I didn't really know what I was going to study. The options kind of seemed like, um, you know, because I was drawing a lot throughout Mm -hmm. high school. I was like, oh, do I do graphic design kind of thing? Like, you know, in Korea, guidance classes at school I'd be like well, I don't know like <laughs> oh yeah this really same. makes sense yeah it's like it doesn't feel like there's it didn't feel like anything really stood out I was like okay I guess I'll do this um but yeah then I found out about games um and I went to study that straight after high school um and it wasn't it, it didn't exactly like all line up immediately like I got into the course and I was a bit unsure of what the end goal of it was um I figured I liked drawing so 
does that mean I would become like a concept artist somewhere? Like I wasn't really sure and it didn't occur to me that I could um, I could sort of make my own games independently until towards the end of my um, course at university when I discovered that in Melbourne where I am there's a lot of independent game developers who just, you know, make small, you know, um, very personal or unrefined things and just release those and put those out there. And I was like, oh, like I want to just try that, like not relying on a team or other people, just like try just making something independently from start to finish. And then I got like a real taste for it. It was so satisfying. So I spent my last year of um, university really uh, focusing on that aspect, like rather than trying to fit into a team scenario, Mm. I was like, I want to be an independent developer. Um, and yeah, that's sort of how I got my start. I'd say. Did you have like a, a thesis game, a capstone, anything like that your last year when you were really getting into it? I did. Um, it was this game called Reverie where you play as a girl, um, traveling to a bunch of sort of floating fantasy islands um, and she travels with her dragon friend Mm. Um, and it it really didn't work out that well it was way too um, overscoped and I just I wasn't ready yet for something as big as I had planned for it Um, and I also wasn't quite skilled enough at communicating like what I want my games to be. So um, the sort of feedback I got from my mentors at the time was like, you know, this looks nice, but I don't really get it. Like, what's the point of this? Um, Which, you know, it was quite discouraging for a bit. I was like, well, you know, like um, this is sort of a direction I want to go in, but I don't, I, I know that I'm not where I need to be yet in terms of like game design skills, like, it's all well and good to have like a walking simulator. It's not like, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I just wasn't good at making games yet. So I couldn't like sell the idea of like a, a walking simulator kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Um, yeah, I, I know. I sort of get what you're saying. I mean, would you? what would you say are like the biggest things you've learned or you would tell people about? how to communicate what their game is? Mm, I don't know. I think it's like, it's just like getting life experience, I guess, and just like drawing inspiration from a bunch of different things. Um, I think like as I started making more games, I could, um, I realized that I needed to like pinpoint a feeling sort of if I was going to have something that was like, limited in mechanics if I'm like well if that's not if that's not what I'm focusing on maybe I need to focus on like what I want the player to experience so um you know do I do I want the player to feel you know maybe a bit melancholy while playing this well then what do I need to do to like get to that point um like what can I do to communicate that with my project reverie it was kind of like it just looked pretty um and it was just like walking around at uh cool art piece um Mm. which you know like I liked it for that but like other people didn't get it and so I had to sort of take some time to learn about 
just learn to sort of like narrow in of like what I actually want to do rather than just it looks cool kind of thing. So giving it that sense of meaning. Yeah. Yeah, that, that extra depth. Mm-hmm. That's super important. And then once you graduated, you were just, you know, making all kinds of games and... Um, not necessarily straight away. I, um, I felt quite discouraged when I finished university. Um, and I sort of decided to focus on trying to get a job as perhaps a concept artist or like a, um, 3D artist on, you know, something local to Melbourne or just anywhere really. Um, and it was just it was so hard. I would get, you know, a one month job here or there, but other than that, it was like nothing. Mm. Um, and that was quite a difficult time. And, you know, the feedback I'd get from people is, you know, people liked my style. Um, people liked what I was going for and they could see that I had ambition, but I think my work was just too, stylized or too specific to me that like I guess studios probably couldn't see it as applicable to their projects um like the feedback I was getting is like this is like its own thing like um I felt like no one wanted me for their studio specifically um so that was like a weird time and it it Mm. took me I was quite it was quite stressful because I was really trying to like fit in I guess and find some work and just um you know be able to be a bit financially stable and just stable in my life um but then about a year after I finished university I sort of started making games again um it started with making my game dollhouse um which is a game I made originally for like a local party here um and that actually sort of reignited things again. Like I just, um, I was able to just finish something, um, which is something I hadn't done in a long time because I was just so in the trenches of self-doubt. Mm. Um, but I made this and um, I really enjoyed making it and people liked it. Um, and then um, after one too many uh, bad uh contract jobs as a 3d artist I was like actually I think I can do this I think I can just be an independent game developer and not have to try and fit in with other studios so what I did was I stopped doing all of my contract work um I got a job at a diner and I started planning surf club at that point I was like Mm. I have this idea for a bigger game I want to make um and I'm just going to quit everything and I'm going to spend my time working on a uh, pitch for it to try and get funding for it. That's great. H- have you gotten funding for it yet? I have, yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm very grateful to be here in Melbourne where it's actually not too difficult to get um, funding. We have um, a lot of government bodies that support independent independent game development Um specifically um Vic Screen here um they were the ones that funded me initially and they like any Melbourne game you can think of like has got support from them like there's uh 
that's why there's like so many like Australian games that are like coming from Melbourne specifically because we have the funding in place to support it. That's great. Yeah, I'm very lucky there. For sure. Um and you know, like I hadn't um I hadn't released a commercial game at that point. So, you know, it's not like they give money to anyone. Like you got to have like a bit of experience, obviously. Right. You can't just have like a good pitch. But I think because I had made quite a few small games at that point, so I'd sort of shown that initiative that like I could finish things. It's not like I just had ideas or half finished projects. You know, I had quite a few things on my itch.io page at that point. Um which really helped, I think, convince them that I could make a commercial game. Yeah, totally. And I mean, s- sort of on that subject, I had checked out your itch.io page and I thought one of the projects that was like really interesting was that one you did called Heaven, where it was a bunch of your projects that didn't quite take off and you sort of compiled them into one place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was what was doing that like? Like, what did you learn from putting them all together? Uh, I don't know. It was like it was just this nice act, almost of like this nice act of introspection, um, and almost like self love of like healing or like all these mm. projects that like had I would you know going through all of these files and stuff um all these old hard drives and just finding whatever I could I could just I just had all these memories of you know that time after I finished school when I would try and make a small project and I would try and just do anything but I was just so full of doubt that like anything I made would be like valuable that I would just scrap things um and so, like, going through all that and then, like, putting it all together in, like, its own little space, um, yeah, it just felt very, like, healing to be, like, just think about where I am now and that even if a project didn't come into fruition, it all sort of um, amounted to something in the end. Yeah, it's it's like you have all these little pebbles and you make a mountain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm, I guess it's like, I'm really grateful for like every, every project I've made, like whether it got to a finished point or not, I think I learned something and everything brought me closer to where I am now, like just refining what my style is. Yeah. I like heaven. I like that project. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then with Surf Club, one of the things that really, I think, draws me and I'm sure other people into the game is that it has such a strong sense of place. It really uh, looks like a place I would want to live in. It looks like Olive Bay has like a very specific, you know, color scheme and tone and type of people. And what goes into making a location so distinct and memorable? Well, with Surf Club, the location was actually the first thing I planned with the game. Um, Olive Bay is very heavily based on where I grew up, which is um, sort of the southeast coast of Australia. So I I sort of pieced together like a bunch of different things in that area, like um, 
the flora and fauna, I tried to make sure it was specific to that area, which is very like, um, it's distinct from like what you would think. Like when you think of like a a, a beach town, you think of maybe palm trees, mm. um, but those like they don't grow like on the beach here. Like that's more of a uh, tropical like rainforest um, plant. So I wanted to like avoid those. I wanted to get all of the specific plants and trees that grow along the beach here. So I think that's like one thing that makes it very distinct in that regard. Um, and then all of the houses in the town and all of the buildings are all sort of loosely based on where I grew up as well in like the specific architecture um, because it's like a very it was a very tropical climate where I grew up. And so there's a mm -hmm. lot of big, big wooden houses on stilts with big balconies. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of space. So there's, you know, garages, you know, things you don't necessarily get in the city. Um, uh, so I think to make it as distinct as it is now, it's like I just really took the time to, like, get references and, plan things out and I, I guess also because it's where I it's based on where I grew up it's like internally I know it all and I know all these little details mm -hmm. um and so I was able to place that so I guess it's kind of like a um like a making what you know thing it's not like I'm making it based on somewhere I haven't been before that's sure. really visited it's a it's a place that I know very intimately and so and I, I can I can pinpoint what makes it distinct to other places I've been. Mm. I guess yeah. rewinding a bit, uh, what would you say are for people who know nothing about Surf Club, what are like the top three things they should know? I guess it's like the way I see like the gameplay of Surf Club is that it's like a um, you know, an RPG without the RPG mechanics like you know you sort of go from point a to point b experiencing a story um you know i really like those like rpg maker games that just like take out the mechanics and it's just about like exploring a place you mm -hmm. know and talking to characters and stuff so that's sort of what to expect in terms of gameplay um the story is about nostalgia and the experience of um returning to a hometown and trying to reconnect with the people there um and specifically in the story you play as a girl named Holly who returns to try and um rekindle an old relationship um so the story deals a lot with like what that is like when a lot of time has passed and you've 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 changed a lot as a person and like um you know, as the game progresses, she sort of, her memories sort of begin to blur between the past and the present and she has to sort of figure out where she wants her future to go. Mm. So that's sort of what the story is about. Um, and the third thing I'd want people to know um, is that there is surfing in the game. You can you can surf in it. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot of walking around and just talking to people, but there's it's got to be some, something, of something course. a bit more fun as well, <laughs> something a bit more interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you touched on something that I think is really cool and that I was going to mention is with the art style of the game, 
it does feel like sort of it's a blend of the past and the present where, you know, it has this sort of uh, low poly PS1, early PS2 type aesthetic, very sort of dreamlike, but it's still, it has this sort of modern sheen to it that could only be accomplished today. And mm. I, I don't know, like, how did you accomplish that? I think the art style, like, it really made sense for what I, like, wanted the game to be about. Like, the game is about nostalgia, so I wanted it to um, reflect that, um, have that, um, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm very much, like, leaning into, like, a PS1 aesthetic at this point with the sort of pixelated shader over everything. Um I don't know I guess it's like I don't want to lean like fully into that so um there's a lot of things that like uh PlayStation 1 inspired games will do to sort of really replicate that look like in terms of like specific lighting and shadows um and like if you were to compare my game with like one of those sort of games like those games that really heavily emulate like PlayStation 1 like you'll see some visual differences like the shadows in my game like on like a technical level like my game looks quite different like it's just that it's got like a pixelated shader over it <laughs> so I guess that gives it like literally a blend between the past and the present yeah and I mean not to throw shade at other <laughs> PS1 inspired games but uh <laughs> It feels like so many of them, like 99% of them are horror. They try and use that aesthetic to be scary. But for me, it's like cozy and nostalgic. And I want a game that has that aesthetic, but uses it in like a a positive way. So I'm very glad that Surf Club exists. Well, yeah. I mean, like I I love horror. Um, I love, um, you know, I love the analog horror trend. um, But... I, I mean, like, I, I, that's, that wasn't my experience with the PlayStation one. That's a lot of other people's experience. They think of, you know, they think of Resident Evil, um, and they think of, uh, you know, Silent Hill and Mm. just a lot of grittier games. But like my experience was Spyro and Crash Bandicoot. Like Same. those are my games and like Croc and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the cute games. Like I was I was not there for that whole era of the PlayStation one. I was too I was too young. Um and so that's what I wanted to reflect. And like Spyro in particular, like that was my number one love. Like I was obsessed with Spyro. I had a little Spyro plush as a kid that I carried with me everywhere. Um and even way back when I made Reverie in uni, like if you look at that game, like it's literally just Spyro, <laughs> like uh. the Wizard Peak level of the first Spyro game, where it's just like these pastel, like pinks and blues, mm-hmm. um, just these magic floating islands. Like, so I think um, that is something I've always wanted to replicate in my work. That's great. Yeah, I loved how they did the the remakes a few years ago. I thought they totally just. Not how I imagined all those worlds in my head. 
Yeah, it was like so cute. I think especially seeing the cut scenes and right. you know, when, when you're a kid, like this, you just fill in the gaps a lot in your imagination because it's the, the style's so limited. Um, and then just seeing the characters come to life. Oh, totally. Seeing, oh, that's what that character actually looks like. Right. <laughs> kind of thing. That was that was fun to see. For sure. Um, so what is something about your personal process, Olivia, that nobody knows? I spend a lot of time uh, writing my ideas before I start a project. Um, usually when there's something I want to make, um, I have to really, um, I guess it's like what I was saying before, where it's like, I have to think about what kind of what I want the player to get out of it, like what kind of feeling I want, et cetera. I, um, I sit down and I'll usually have like my journal in front of me and I'll sort of do a stream of consciousness writing of like what I, what, like why I want to make something. Um, like it's all well and good to just like want to make something that looks cool, but I really always want to make sure that I'm putting, um, putting that bit of extra thought into why I make certain decisions. Um, so I'll, I'll really spend the time just like thinking about what I want my game to actually be. And in the case of surf club, like I've spent like so much time, like just writing out like what I want it to be and like, you know, I'll I'll write a synopsis for Act One, and then I'll try and I'll write all these bullet points of like what I want the player to be thinking when this happens, mm. um, etc. Um, so I would say, I mean, that's something that I don't like show online or anything, like the writing process, because it's just kind of, you know, it's not really much to show. Plus, I don't want to like accidentally reveal something about the game. But I spend a lot of time planning in that regard you write on pen and paper or google document or i prefer pen and paper mm. um it just feels it sort of comes to me a bit faster that way and i'm um you know i can sort of i can turn my brain off and not have to think about like uh you know i was my my thoughts will like halt in their tracks if i make a typo when i have to like backspace oh, yeah. and fix it <laughs> No, and I feel like for me, just writing things out physically helps it stick in my brain more. Yeah, absolutely. Like, same with me. Like, it sounds corny, but like, I'll always write out my resolutions. And so that, mm. my, like, my New Year's resolutions, which helps me like do them. And yeah, I think that's just always been something I've, um, like, just journaling is something that's just always helped me through, like, tough times like whether it's I'm stuck on a project or this life itself is difficult I'll um just try and write it out and you know it's just one of those things that just mm. helps me get in touch with my feelings and so it's also just helped me make games better I think <laughs> yeah I think that's another thing that really strikes me about your games is that I, I remember there was one you made called terracotta where it was like you wrote that it was a a game you were sort of using to process your own emotions as an outlet. And I just thought that was really great that uh, the act of game development can be like that for people. Yeah, Terracotta is like an interesting case where, um, you know, like when I was making that, it was really 
in the in the thick of the pandemic um and I wasn't really like I mean no one knew what the end result of all this was going to be so it was kind of like right I the thing with terracotta is when I was making it I was like I I would work a bit on it and then I would be like trying to write out like what what I'm actually feeling like trying to actually pinpoint it so I could put it in the game but it's like I I felt like I couldn't which was like frustrating because it was Mm. like you know it's like how could I how could I pinpoint my experience when it's like this is something brand new um so then I just sort of as the game goes on I sort of the the dialogue just sorts of sort of ends up being about that about not knowing the answer and um yeah I don't know if it necessarily ends on like a hopeful note but I tried I decided to just make it as real as possible about how I was feeling I'm like well I don't really know what's happening but you know I'll just in the meantime I'll just go on my little walks to help me process my emotions and mm-hmm. yeah we'll just see see how we go <laughs> that was all we could really do at the time go for walks yeah absolutely it was or, or play animal crossing yeah oh of course <laughs> that was a crazy time oh yeah also i guess maybe on a more hopeful note uh, you you write your new year's resolutions what were they for this year Oh, um, actually, let me see. I have my journal right in front of me. I can have a look. Um, let's see. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read them out to you. <laughs> okay. Okay, aim to journal every night. Haven't done that. Oh. Take more opportunities to travel. I have done that. I've actually gone oh. to a lot of new places this year. Um, get weekly screen time to less than an hour per day. Have not done that. Mm. Um, get my P's for real. P's is like my license. So I did do oh, that. Okay. I got my license. Great. Um, make sure we finish and release Knuckle Sandwich. Um, that Hopefully I can tick that one off very soon. Um, watch 100 movies. I've almost done that. Oh. Um, learn five new recipes. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done much cooking this year. Um, exhibit Surf Club somewhere. Ideally outside Victoria, which is the state that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not done that and I don't think that will happen. Oh. <laughs> um, and then the last one is make a small game in an engine other than Unity, um, <laughs> which I have not done yet, but maybe I'll get, maybe I can do that before the year ends. Mm-hmm. I reckon I could do that. I really, I'm, I kind of don't like Unity anymore and I want to learn something else. So maybe I need to try and get that one done before the yeah. end. And funny you wrote that before all the unity controversy happened. Yeah, well, I don't know what it is. I have like I think it's because uni uh, unity is what I learned when I was in school. It's just sure. what I've always used, but I've never like loved it. I've never been like, oh, this is I haven't I'm having a great time. I've never really felt like that. Um but I've just not really branched out and learned other engines. Like I know a bit of Game Maker through um, Knuckle Sandwich and being with Andy, but uh, I just, I need to learn something else. I actually, I was working in Unity last night on like another another project and I was just losing it. And I was like, that's it. I'm remaking this uh, whole thing in Godot. Let's go. <laughs> what were the best movies of the nearly 100 you've watched oh let's see 
I have them actually like written down. Ooh. Um, let me see some movies. I watched. So it's not all like new movies. It'll sort sure. of just be, um, whatever I get my hands on. I finally watched Battle Royale for the first time this year. Oh, it was so good. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know why it took me so long. Um, let me see. Megan was incredible. <laughs> that was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Good silly movie. I um, was just at Universal Studios for Halloween and they had a whole <gasps> live show with all like a dozen dancing Megans. <laughs> it was Oh my amazing. god. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um I oh, I saw this really good movie the other day at the cinema. Um it was called Humanist Vampire Seeking Consensual Suicidal Person. Ooh. And it was a Canadian French film. Um, and I mean, that kind of tells you what the plot is. It's mm-hmm. this like vampire who doesn't want to kill people. And so find someone who is suicidal and cute antics ensue. Mm. It's like a it's like a horror movie, but it was funny. It was like it was really silly. If you ever if you ever spot it in like a cinema or something, definitely go check that out. Yeah, I'll see if it's coming to my cinemas. Yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, uh, I think those are the notable ones. I don't want to get too off track. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've got we've got talk about movies. games to talk about. And... <laughs> yeah. What about the video games? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Knuckle Sandwich, like you said, that's releasing next month. It's pretty exciting. It's crazy. Um, it does not feel real. I mean, I say that, but it also does. I mean, it's been in development for so long. Yeah. I've just been like, um, you know, sort of tapping my finger on my watch, like, um, like come on, Andy, we got to finish this game for like a while now. So um, it's, yeah, no, it's very exciting that it's finally coming out. Um, I think it's going to do really well, honestly. Um, you play it and it really feels like, something that's taken 10 years mm. like it's just like Andy's just put so much care into it um it, it's really unlike anything else I've played um and it's just going to be so interesting like hearing the feedback and actually just having it out in the world yeah that's I I remember when it was first announced I was in a totally different place in my life I think I was working uh an internship at like a publishing company back in New York. And <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, it's like, I wonder if we'll get like a lot of feelings like that around when it comes out of, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people have been following the game for so long, you know, yeah. every time, every time we've exhibited it at a PAX, we'll have people come up and say, yeah, I've been following this game since 2013 or people telling us about how they backed the Kickstarter. Um you know, and the we've got sort of like a group of friends in the Knuckle Sandwich Discord, and they're all they're all quite young, and so a lot of them are like, "Oh, like I was, you know, I was in high school when the Kickstarter came out, and it's so nostalgic to me, kind of thing." Wow. Um, and it's it's so um, it's so nice. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a game that I think 
means a lot to a lot of people despite not being out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you working on it with Andy through the whole development or did you jump on a little bit later? So I came on, um, so we, we started dating in 2017 and I came on, I'd say around mid 2018, because at the time he was, um, he was making this whole scene in the game, which is no longer in the game, but it's like, it was like a third person, like 3d exploration part. I, I, I wouldn't even get into it. It was, it was nuts. Yeah. Um, keep in mind he works in game maker. So it's like, how did he do that? Right. 3d. Um, yeah. Game maker, like 1.6 or something like an old one before 3d was supported per se. Um, and so I was making a bunch of 3d props for that. Um, and then the, like, it sort of turned into me being like almost like an assistant artist on the project. That's sort of how I describe my role is that um, whether it's something 3D, um, like there's a lot of pre-rendered uh, 3D art in the game or whether it's um, a uh, Andy sort of, you know, time crunching a bit and um, needs like a sprite whipped up really quickly, um, I can do that. Um yeah, I've sort of just helped out here and there. There's a few, like, even, like, 2D cutscene things that I've made. Um, yeah, it's been good. Like, you, you, throughout the game, there's just sort of bits and pieces of my art here and there. I designed some of the monsters as well. Um, yeah, so that's sort of how it came about. I kind of just quite naturally just we work. We have the same home office. Mm. And he would be like, hey, I need this would you be able to do this thing for me? I'm like, yeah, no worries. Wow. That's <laughs> great. What would you say about the game you're most excited for people to experience? Like one thing you can talk about. I'm really excited for people to experience the story um, and just <clears throat> hearing their interpretations of it. Um, I think um, the story is like really quite personal to Andy, but I think it's also potentially something that a lot of people can relate to. Um, I, I don't want to give away too many details, but it's um, there's, you know, there's just been a lot of heart put into it, I think. Um, and there's some parts of it that I think are um, up to interpretation. Um, and I think it's a game that a lot of people will have a different sort of takeaway Mm -hmm. from um I think especially if you make games and are a creative person you will get a lot of interesting insight from the story like oh. some some clues there like of uh there's things that are like uh, quite analogous to what the game development experience has been like mm. for Andy and I that's Cool. I can see you guys gel together really well. And uh, you've sort of found your person because you both want to make things that are so personal. Absolutely. Um, I think we've both been really inspired by each other. Like, um, I know Andy has said to me that he started um, putting more elements of real life in his game since mm we've been together because, you know, a big part of my game making philosophy is that I want my games to be a bit of a time capsule. Mm. Um, 
And like for me, like Andy's just like so ambitious and puts just so much care into like everything he does, like everything he's just always at a hundred percent when he's working. He's never half-assing anything. Like nothing in the game is just slapped together. Like, and that's just that's just been inspiring for me. And that's just I think improved my work ethic a lot. I'm I'm very grateful for our <laughs> relationship. I think we're quite we make a good team. Awesome. That's what you want for sure. <laughs> yeah. And also, I know on the side you have a, a pretty sizable following on TikTok, over like <laughs> sixty thousand followers. Uh, yeah. How have you used the platform as a game developer? Uh, <laughs> I have. I haven't really done much since I got all those followers, because it happened overnight. Oh, really? Had, well, I had yeah, I had two thousand followers, and then I posted a single TikTok that got nearly 3 million views. Wow. But I got like all of those followers just from that TikTok, which like, that's kind of, that's like unheard of to me. Like, I don't know anyone else who is like, had that much of a follower jump from going viral. Mm. Um, That's like really crazy to me um, still. Um. I think that I had made a lot of TikToks before then, like showing my my games and my process, et cetera. So I think what happened was people saw this TikTok of mine and then clicked on my profile and saw um, that I had a bunch of other stuff um, and so followed from that. Um, <laughs> I guess one of the takeaways there is like if you're not performing well on social media or whatever, it's like just keep at it, don't delete it because people will see this stuff. Like it'll it'll come back to benefit you eventually. Um, even if you don't get those immediate results. Um, that's especially the case on something like TikTok, um, where people just, like, if they like you, they want to see a bunch of videos mm. by you. Um, so, like, then all of my previous TikToks got, like, a big boost. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I feel like I haven't used TikTok a lot since then. Like, whenever I post on it now, I'll, the video will get, like, 400 views. So I'm like, ah, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but... There's definitely been like a different like atmosphere around my work and my sort of online presence since that all happened. Like as a result of that TikTok, I got like a huge influx of um, followers that are like a lot um, sort of younger than me, like high school, uni, university age. um, And they will message me saying things like, oh, like I... I didn't really know what I wanted to do like um, after school or something. And I I think I want to study game development now after seeing your TikTok or, um, you know, people saying like, I, you know, I'm studying or even people that are kind of like I was with this, like I I'm studying games, but I'm not really sure what I want to do, but seeing you is like really inspiring. Like I want to make things like what you're doing. Um, And so that's been like really nice. I think that's something that I've always wanted to um I guess achieve with my work is like you know when I was younger um you know people didn't really get my work like I was saying um and but now I'm at a point where I like because I just continued pushing forward in this direction that I wanted to go in it's like now um I've potentially made it easier for other people to um 
make work that's very um, mm. personal to them and very unconventional in terms of, you know, minimal mechanics, but, um, you know, very atmospheric experiences. That's such an amazing uh, full circle moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very happy about that. That's been like the best thing to come from that whole thing is like sure. realizing realizing that my work actually has had an impact um, in an, in some small way that it's made some people be able to, it, it's given clarity to some other people, like what they want to do with their career mm. and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I'm very happy about that. That's really special. Uh, then, yeah. yeah, that probably is a good note to start wrapping things up on. I, of course, have my question that I have to ask, which is, Olivia <laughs> Haynes, this is the Pixel Pizza podcast. Where is your favorite pizza place? <laughs> you know, I was listening to a bunch of episodes of the oh. Pixel Pizza podcast, and I was, whenever I got to this question, I was like, oh, my God, wait, I have to try and think of what this is going to be. <laughs> And honestly, it's so hard because pizza is like my favorite food. Like, mm. I don't know, like it's everyone's favorite food. But yeah, like, of course. <laughs> I, I love pizza. I love pizza so much. Like, I could just eat it every day. And so, like, Damn. it's so. I feel like I don't have like a single place. It's like, it's, it's such a cop out answer. I, I would just eat like any pizza. Like, I'm not sure. fussy. Um, I think. Uh, I mean, back in my hometown. There's like a pizza restaurant called Zachary's, which I always loved going to when I was younger. They have like a, a pesto lamb pizza, Ooh. which was just, it's just like so like decadent and indulgent. It's just like all this lamb and pesto and like some Greek yogurt. It's like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> mm. um, Is so there a version like... of Zachary's in Surf Club? Oh, you know what? There actually isn't. Oh. But I mean, surf clubs have like surf clubs usually have a restaurant portion, so like there will be pizza served there. Okay, although it'll probably it'll probably just be like a margarita or a Hawaiian or something. Mm -hmm. But maybe I need a like, yeah, maybe I need to add a pesto lamb pizza to their menu. Ooh, yeah, at the surf club. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I only started eating meat again recently after being vegetarian for seven years, so it's like. I have to like rediscover a lot of like pizza places and like mm. try all these new things. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think that's my answer. I've thought a lot about this question and I've still struggled <laughs> to think of something. <laughs> no, no, the work paid off. It was a, a good, thorough answer. <laughs> so. That's good. <laughs> For <Phew>. sure. <laughs> uh then yeah, thank you so, so much for joining me, Olivia. This has been really excellent. Yeah, thank you, Jared. This has been really enjoyable. Um, uh, thank you for the really thoughtful questions as well. Of course. Yeah, I'm ha happy we could. So uh, where can people <laughs> yeah. keep track of you and your work, Olivia? I think the best thing to do is to go to... Um, Go to oliviahaines.com, which I usually just have in my bio on things, um, and that will direct you to a link tree that has, you know, my social media pages, um, and also it'll take you to the Surf Club website, which um, 
has like a Steam Steam page uh, link as well. Um, Surf Club can be wishlisted on Steam. Um, that's like a weird answer. I'm like, go to this, go to this link, and then follow these links. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really, um, I need to stop putting off making a proper website. Um, but yeah, like that's. Um, if you go from there, then you can find me on like Twitter and Instagram. Um, I say Instagram is probably like the social media I'm the most active on. Same. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm big into Instagram at the moment. My handle is um, Olivia HNS, but the O in Olivia is a zero. Mm. <laughs> I need to get a better username because it's really annoying <laughs> to explain that. Sure. <laughs> um, but also if you search Olivia Haynes, you'll probably find me. <laughs> um yeah (laughs) great then yeah go check her out listeners thank you for tuning in to another pixel pizza have a great rest of your day we're gonna be ending off with another track from amp smashed and that is called jazz rise so listen to that we'll see you soon